pursuit. I've spent a lot of time, I don't know, I'm sure it's in the hundreds of hours, studying and reading the self-help literature. Just how to try to do better, be more of a success, be happier and all those sorts of things. And there's not a better self-help work than the Word of God. Amen. And the places that uh, the self-help literature gets it right, they base it on the principle of Scripture. And places they get it wrong, they make up something on their own. Now, Philippians chapter 1 gives one of the real big ones. One of the real big ones. And it's, it's not quite so simple as this, but this is one of the biggest things. It's one of the biggest things if you're looking for joy. Philippians 1, we'll start reading in verse 12. Uh, now, Paul has been thrown in jail. And he's writing back to the Philippians um, from being incarcerated. And this is what he says. He says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and through and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. There's nothing else to live for. Paul said, to me, to live is Christ. Sometimes you talk in this way, and everybody gets thinking, well, you just make Jesus everything. You know, he is everything. Amen. He is the whole reason you're even drawing a breath. He's the whole reason you're even created. He's the reason you're even here. Paul said, to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Then he goes on, verse 22, says, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is, look at these words, far better. If you were to die tonight, it wouldn't be a little bit better. It would be far better than this life you're living right now. Amen. Death is good for a Christian. Real good. Unbelievably good. I can't express to you what a wonderful thing it would be if all of a sudden tonight, you were in heaven with the Lord Jesus. Amen. I've heard people get uh, threatened with death. They were, somebody was going to kill them, you know. And they answered back, you can't scare me with heaven. And uh, that's true. That's true. The Word of God doesn't teach that, you know, it's a hairline adjustment. <laughs> the Word of God doesn't teach that it's a little bit better to go to heaven. It's far better. Uh, verse 24, Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. The reason we're down here is to help others as the Lord has called us to, to help. Amen. Them. Verse um, 25, And having this confidence, 
I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. All right, I want to preach this evening an important key to Christian joy. And find it there in verse 12 where it says, The things which have happened unto me, him getting beaten and thrown in jail, have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Then he says it again. In your furtherance and joy of faith. Is that in verse 9? No. Twenty-three. No. Twenty-five, I'm sorry. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. All right, if you're missing some joy and some happiness in your life, there's a big key. You're not going further. I'm not saying you have to take over. I'm not saying you have to get everybody in the world saved. I'm not saying you have to plant a hundred churches. But I'll tell you what you should be doing. And there will be something always missing in your happiness and joy if you're not doing it. And that is this. Growing. Progressing. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll give uh, wisdom to us. And I pray that you'll help us to understand these things as they're so clearly conveyed in your word. Lord, I pray that one big goal for all of us from this night forward is furtherance. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, now the key word in the epistle to the Philippians is joy. Some form of joy or rejoicing appears four times in the text we read, and it appears 17 times in this short letter. And the joyful Christian life does this. It sees the cause of Christ furthered. If you were saving up money for retirement and five years later you didn't have any more than you did back then, uh, you'd be a little bit bummed out. And if you're working at a job and five years later you're not making any more than you were five years earlier, you're a little bit bummed out. Uh, if you're not growing in things that are important to you, you can get depressed. Now the word furtherance means a helping forward, progress, or advancement. By the way, you know me, I believe that the Word of God for our day is in English. But Amen. just because it's so important to many of the scholars to point out the Greek, uh, I looked up the Greek word here, and it also means progress, advancement. So the English word means progress or advancement. The Greek word means progress, advancement. No extra light. And that is true in many, many cases. Amen. But Paul is writing from Rome. He's in custody, and he mentions rejoicing. Now, how would Paul feel such joy and be teaching joy to a group suffering for Christ? Here's why. Because, number one, something that brings great joy was being furthered, and that's the gospel. Number two, 
He tells the Philippians he's sure the Lord will send him to them to spend time with them for a good reason, their furtherance and joy of faith. All right, now there's a couple things in your Christian life you need to be taken care of. Be sure that you are involved in some way with the furtherance of the gospel. Number two, be sure that the faith you already have and that you've had since you've been saved is going a little bit further. And that is that you're growing in your Christian life. Good point. Now maybe you've looked around and you've wondered about the joy that some Christians have. And in some cases, some lost people have. There's, listen, there are, I, I hesitate to admit this, but there are some lost people and some backslidden Christians have more joy than a lot of Christians that are supposedly trying to live according to the Word of God. Amen. Now, there are a lot of reasons for it. It gets a little bit complex, but let me tell you one real big piece that explains most of it. That Christian is not growing. There are Christians all over the Bible Belt South that have been sitting in church pews for decades and haven't grown in decades. Amen. And if you're like that, there will always be something missing in your joy and in your happiness. So if you want to start making progress, you'll start having joy. And if you see you're losing joy, undoubtedly one of the big reasons is you've quit making pro progress. When you lose your joy, you lose your strength because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I've just got two points. Let's look at them here for a minute. Number one, the furtherance of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel. He says in verse 12, I would that ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. I mean, it, even, even in the palace, they know about Paul. And he's in Rome. The palace in Rome was real important at this point in history. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 23, he said, I'm become all things to all men. By all means, I might save some. He said, and this I do for the gospel's sake. You what you ought to do, you ought to set your life up and you ought to change the way you live and everything that you do and your habits for the gospel's sake. That ought to be in there. Now, some of you are real good at talking to people. Maybe you should keep gospel tracts in your pocket and, and just talk to people. Other people, that's not your strength, but you can get the gospel out other ways. I've told you about my friend Bob Price, and he has that personality disorder, and he gets real nervous when he gets around people, but he knew it was his job to get the gospel out, so you know what he started doing? He started getting people's addresses and drop gospel tracts in, the, in an envelope and mail them out, and a few years ago had 30,000 people had written him back saying they've got saved, and him scared to talk to anybody. Now, how many people do you know that's too scared to talk to people, and yet has won 30,000 people to the Lord. <laughs> now, you, you say, well, maybe some of them weren't sincere. Well, number one, if you took the time to write a guy back to tell him you got saved, you probably are sincere. But even if half of them are total fake, that would still be 15,000 people. That's way more than I've ever dreamed of leading people to the Lord. So... <laughs> They're probably mostly all sincere if they took the time to write him back. But secondly, even if it's only half of them, that's impressive. My point is, if you've got a weakness, you can overcome it. Bob Price, too scared to talk to people, and won them by the tens of thousands. That's tremendous. But now it does involve some sacrifice. That took him a lot of time to send out all those thousands of names. 
He sent uh, stuff to who was the governor of Alabama that got in all that trouble over the racial segregation stuff? Wow. Yeah. Um, and he sent some stuff to Elvis Presley. Uh, and uh, Dr. Ruckman studied tapes on Romans, and Elvis wrote him back saying, Hey, has he got anything on Revelations? And he sure does. <laughs> I mean, uh, unbelievable. Um, and then some other, he sent some to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he didn't receive it all that well. <laughs> I can tell you some stories. But you know what he did? He was way too scared to talk to any of these people. And yet, he still got the gospel out. Hey, get involved in the furtherance of the gospel. That'll be a blessing to you. All right, uh, so it will involve some sacrifice. So it will take some time. It will take some money. But it's a better investment than any other investment you've got going. Hey. And if you don't think so now, you sure will on Judgment Day. All right, the second thing is uh, when you start doing this, it'll reveal the spiritual purposes behind events. Now, as it is right now, when you have just a very surface-level understanding of things, you go through life, somebody does you wrong, somebody cuts you off in traffic, somebody says something that you deem to be unkind, and you go, oh, well, I just must be a doormat for them to just step on. I just must be a speed bump for them to run over. Or, they just must be mean. No, there are things way more complex than that going on. There is a real devil. There are real angels. There's a real God. There are real demons. There are real spiritual forces going on. And there are things going on way more than that person is just mean and I'm just a loser. And you will not know those things unless you get involved in the spiritual battle. But if you're not involved in the spiritual battle, you'll just have these real silly, shallow, forgive me, but just really dumb explanations of things that won't make any sense to you. You'll never understand them. You'll go through life just bewildered as to why in the world things like that happen. But as soon as you get in a spiritual battle, you'll have a big old light come on and you'll realize, hey, that's me trying to do something for God and them on the side of the devil trying to stop me. And you know what? I don't care. I'm going to love them anyway and keep going. But as long as you just think, well, it's just me or them or personalities or these shallow things, you'll never get to the bottom of it. But in verse 12 and 13, he says, the things which happened fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. He said it wasn't just that these guys were mean. God had me put in this prison where all of a sudden the gospel would get to the palace. What about Joseph? Was the problem just that uh, Potiphar's wife was just a real mean lady? Well, that was part of the factor, that part of the reason maybe. But the real reason was God needed him to be in there with the butler and the baker so that he would interpret their dreams and word would get to Pharaoh and he'd get all the way up to Pharaoh. That's what was really going on. It wasn't just that Potiphar's wife is real mean to lie on him. All right, uh, so it will reveal the spiritual purpose behind events. You'll have way better insight. You'll way, know way more what's going on if you'll get involved in the spiritual battle. All right, another thing is uh, it inspires confidence. Look at verse 14. It says, And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bond. You know what's going on with a lot of Christians? They don't have any confidence. They're scared to speak up. They're scared to say anything. They're scared to take a stand. They're scared to stay faithful. What? No confidence. You know what? They're not involved in the battle. You get in the battle, you get some confidence. I've read about boxers and how that they get in the ring, you know, and 
And they were scared to death. But after they got punched a few times, they didn't care anymore. And now they're ready to fight. And you get in a you get in the battle and you get punched a few times, it's scary at first. Then you get confident. And a bunch of people saw Paul in jail and yet still being faithful, and they got confident. Notice confidence in this chapter. Look back at verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 25. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you. You want some confidence? Get in the battle. Take a few punches and land a few for Jesus. Now I'm speaking spiritually, folks. (laughs) Don't you hit anybody, okay? All right, it'll inspire some confidence. I'll tell you something else. It'll reveal some motives. Not everybody sitting in a church pew is here because they just love Jesus. (laughs) Of course, if you've been in church very long, you know that. But it'll show their motives. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. There are some people that claim they're trying to stand for what's right and all they want to do is fight. You can't come to a time that they want to stop fighting. And if you've been in churches very long, you're well aware of it. Verse 16, the one preached Christ of contention, look at it, not sincerely. If all of your Christianity is one big fight, you are not sincere. Now, it's part of it. Part part of uh, living for the Lord Jesus is fighting because you'll get attacked, I assure you. But that's not all of it for sure. But the other is, verse 17, but the other of love knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. So whether your uh, motive is because you just want to fight all the time or because you really love, that'll come out. That'll come out when you start spreading the gospel. All right, another thing about um, the furtherance of the gospel is rejoicing. Look at the end of verse 18. I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Now one of the things about the devil's joy that he gives is it gets old to you. The eyes of man are never satisfied. You start looking at dirty pictures, you'll want more. You start taking alcohol, you'll want more. You start taking drugs, you'll want more. You start getting too lazy, you'll lay around even more. You start um, making some money, you'll want more. There, there is. You're not sure if what you're doing now will satisfy you a year or two or three or four or five from now or not. Let me tell you about the furtherance of the gospel. I guarantee you, you'll like it five years from now just as much as you do right now. I therein do rejoice and will rejoice. That is one that will not get old. Seeing somebody get saved and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing you had something to do with that will not be something that you'll be telling people a few years from now, well, I used to like that, but now I don't care anything about it. Let's just let them burn in hell. That'll be fine. You will never get like that, I promise you. There never comes a point that you will stop rejoicing in that. If you started in a Bible-believing Baptist church when you were five years old, when you were 85 years old, you'll still love that. That will always be. It will include joy. It will recall some benefits. Verse 19 says, For I know that this shall return to my salvation through your prayer. Notice prayer in this passage. Verse 4, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making rejoice, making request with rejoicing. 
Um, it will recall these benefits and it will install some focus and some concentration. We live in a distracted day. I mean, the phone rings. An email comes in. A chat comes in. There are little rings and dings and tones on your phone all the time. There's television shows and sporting events. There's, there's no end to the distractions that we have. And yet in verse 20, he says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Here's my focus, is Jesus Christ. Whatever pleases Him, whatever blesses Him, whatever He's blessed me with, that's, that's my focus. As soon as your focus gets on something else, you're off. And it's easy to do. It's easy to say, okay, well, don't worry, I quit you know, two or three bad habits and picked up two or three good habits, so I'm good, I'm good. I'm, you know, I didn't, I'm not doing anything that can get me thrown in jail or anything that will get me kicked out of a Baptist church, so I'm pretty clean. Hey, listen you still might not be focusing on Jesus. Amen. You can clean up your life here and there. You can get out of trouble here and there, and that's good. And believe me, if you've stayed in trouble for years, it'll feel good to not be in trouble anymore. That is a step in the right direction. I do admit that. But that's not as good as actually having your focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's number one. So it'll instill some focus and some concentration. Let me tell you what to do. If you're missing some joy in your Christian life, be involved in the furtherance of the gospel. Somehow, somehow, some way. Help us when we go to the mission on the 27th. Help us when we hold up scripture signs and preach. Support the missionaries. Something. Hand out gospel tracts. Say something for the Lord at family gatherings. Somehow, some way, further the gospel. Alright? Point number two. Furtherance and joy of faith. Alright, look at verse um, 23. He says, For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Over there in Philippians, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, We beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. Hebrews 6, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Your love, your growth ought to be more and more abounding. Always be taking a step forward. I didn't say you have to reach perfection. I didn't say you have to reach a million souls. I didn't say you have to plant a hundred churches. Just be doing more than you were last year at this time. Just always be growing. A few baby steps are fine. Just a little bit more. You support missionaries, next year give just a little bit more. You witness, next year witness just a little bit more. You involved in the spreading of the word of God, next year just a little bit more. You know why? Not because it's hard. It won't be grievous to you. Because it brings joy. It'll feel good to do just a little bit more. Amen. And the next year, it'll feel good to do a little bit more. I'm not telling you something that, that you'll dread. I guarantee you, you get involved in the cause of Jesus Christ, you will like it. 
And you'll like the next time being a little bit more involved and a little bit more. It, it involves performance of your duty. Now, you should do it partially because, hey, this is my duty. Look at what the Lord Jesus did for me. Duty should be a little bit of it, but I promise you it won't be long until enjoyment will be part of it. All right, now another thing about these things is uh, you're requesting time with God's people. One thing that always discouraged me when I would be doing personal work and going door to door and talking to people is I would hear over and over again, well, I used to go to church. Those people in that church hurt me so bad, I just can't ever go back. Now, let me tell you something. Human beings will hurt you. Oh, yeah. In church, out of church, and everywhere else. But don't decide that the church people are the one people you're never going to get over. You work at Walmart, and you work there every single week for years, there will be somebody in there hurts you real bad. <laughs> you work at uh, a lawyer's office, and you keep going there years and years, there will be somebody in there hurts you real bad. You work in construction, same thing. You live in a neighborhood, same thing. You have a big family, same thing. But the one that you decide you are never, ever going back to, more often than not, will be a church. Why is that? You're not supposed to be in church for the people anyway, although that's a secondary thing. You're supposed to be in there for the Lord Jesus. But they request time with God's people because verse 25 he says, And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue, look at it, with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. All right, uh, verse 26. It includes abundant rejoicing. It says in verse 26 that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. All right, he says rejoice twice in verse 18. And now he says you're rejoicing in verse 26. And you know what will happen when you keep growing in your faith? You'll rejoice. All right, Virginia, look up here. Don't look over there. Look this way. You know what's missing? We haven't grown. You just sit in a pew and you don't grow for the Lord. And then you wonder why you're not happy and you get looking around. and You get saying, well, this isn't working for me. Uh, yeah, it works. It never stopped working. But you did. Amen. Living for the Lord Jesus Christ has brought rejoicing 100% of the time that it has been tried. In the worst case in all of history, when the Lord Jesus took the horrible punishment that he did for you and me, you know what the Bible says about that? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame it even worked for him going through that and he had to go through some things you and I will never go through Amen. we will never become the sins of the whole wide world will we we will never have to say my God my God why hast thou forsaken me will we we may be forsaken by every person in the universe, which we won't, but even if we were, we won't be forsaken by God. That He went through some things we'll never go through, and it still says, who for the joy that was set before him 
endured the cross, despising the shame. You said, well, what about Paul? Thrice beaten, and a day and a night in the deep, and in the jail all the time. Well, we're reading one of those letters from the jail. And you know what he's saying? Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice 17 times. There's rejoicing in growing. Let's look up here. I'm not sure what's going on over there, but let's keep our hands to ourselves. All right, uh, but here's the problem. It does require a consistent testimony. Verse 27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. You, there is a lifestyle that goes with the gospel of Christ, and there's a lifestyle that does not. You know how you tell? What are people doing that have won souls to the Lord Jesus Christ? How do they live? Did they live just like everybody in the world in their day? No, they were different. How about the Lord Jesus? Now, he, he ministered to anybody of any filthy lifestyle you could ever imagine. Ungodliness. Thievery. Dishonest people, he ministered to all of them. Sick, stinking, putrefying. Some of them dead bodies. Some of them sick, and I'm sure stinking bad. And he ministered to all of them. But you know what he didn't do? He did not partake in their sins. Not one time do you read that Jesus went in there in some drunken uh, party and partook of it in order to win them. You know what he did? He stayed clean. But he still ministered to all those people. So you be sure that your conversation it becomes the gospel of Christ, that it goes with it. It does require a consistent testimony. Philippians chapter 1 here, verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Not for your fellowship in the ball games from the first day until now. Your fellowship in the soap operas from, oh, wait a minute, that's, that's too old. Uh, in the rom-coms <laughs> from the first day until now. No, your fellowship in the gospel. That's, that's what the fellowship needs to be based upon. Now I'll tell you something else. It'll instill unity. Verse 27 goes on to say, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, not striving with each other, against each other. Now, one of the things that you always hear people complain about church people is they have no unity. They fight all the time. Here's a big reason why. They're not involved in the furtherance of the gospel, and they're not furthering their own faith. And when they're doing that, and they're worried about who sings and whose kid gets recognition and who uh, said something that rubbed them wrong. If you're worried about that, then yeah, you're right. You never will get along. But if you're worried about the furtherance of the gospel and the furtherance of your own faith, you'll do very little fighting. Very little. Now, we're all still human, and I ain't saying it'll be perfect, but it'll be a whole lot less. be a whole lot less. Uh, so that's how they can have one spirit with one mind striving together for the furtherance of the gospel. Um, but I will have to say this. It will reveal some courage in you. It will get scary. You will fall under some threats. And we have pictures on the wall showing some of the threats that you'll Amen. fall under. Verse 28, it says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. When you get involved in the furtherance of the gospel and people start threatening you, don't even worry about it. Don't even be afraid of it. 
You just stand for what's right, and if they throw you in jail, you're just going like your forefathers, your spiritual forefathers. And they'll think, well, boy, he's crazy because the judge will never, the judge will never stand for that. Well, we answer to a higher judge. <laughs> and uh, there will come a day that your little earthly judge will not even be on your mind. It'll be the judge of all the earth you'll be concerned about. And guess what? I'm already concerned about him right now. He'll take care of these little things. And even if it's a worst case scenario and I'm executed for my faith, he shows up with special grace and special joy and it is far better once I'm up there anyway. So it will reveal some courage in you. It will take some courage. And I will say this. It's a little bit negative. It will mean enduring some suffering. Look at verse 29. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same, look at this word, conflict which ye saw in me, and now here to be in me. There will be some suffering that will go on. I quoted that verse earlier. It said, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. James chapter 5 says, We count them happy which endure. Did you hear that? We count them happy which endure. Amen. Enduring hardship is something that contributes to your happiness. Amen. Enduring heartbreak is something that contributes to your happiness. You know what will never contribute to your happiness? Quitting because of heartbreak or hardship. You'll never be happy because of that. You will say, oh boy, I've dodged a bullet there. But not really. Because the peace that supposedly comes from that will not be satisfying. And furthermore, it will not last. Peace that comes from you quitting on God will not be a true peace. You'll be angry. You'll be frustrated. You will not understand why things never go your way. You'll be complaining. You'll be disrespected. You'll be everything. You know what? If you're going to have all those things anyway, take them for Jesus Christ. Amen. Because He rewards you big time. If there was a way of life, I, I, I would almost see the, the reasoning for it. If there was a way of life that avoided all hardships. If there was a way of life like that, I, I admit my old flesh would be tempted to take it. But here's the problem. Every which way you pick is wrought with hardships and frustrations and heartbreak. So since every single one have all that, take the one that has Jesus on it with you while you go through those things. And then you can look up and there's the Lord Jesus right beside you. Like that old hymn, standing somewhere in the shadows you'll find Jesus. He's a friend who always cares and understands. Or you can pick the world's way that might have a little more money, might have a little more pleasure, might have a little less of this or that. But then when you need him, you look up and Jesus isn't there. You don't want to get in that place. You want to be in the place where Jesus is. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners, lest ye grow weary and faint in your minds. All right, we've seen just two things. These will, these will explain a lot of the 
lack of joy in your life. Number one, not being involved in the furtherance of the gospel. And number two, not furthering your own faith. Not growing in your own faith. And when you do that, you may not be as rich as other people in some areas. But you'll be way more rich in others. I've got an illustration that talks about these things. A tax collector came one day to a poor minister of the gospel to determine the amount of taxes the minister would have to pay. What property do you possess? asked the assessor. Oh, I am very wealthy, replied the minister. Well, list your possessions, please, the assessor instructed. First, I have everlasting life. <laughs> I mean, if we stopped right there, how much do we pay for medical procedures that at best will give us a couple decades more life? What if we had eternal life? Hey. What, what price would you put on that? Could your insurance company cover it? First, I have everlasting life. Second, I have a mansion in heaven. Third, I have peace that passeth understanding. Do you know how much money people pay to sit and talk oh, to somebody yeah. to try to find some peace? Do you know how much money people pay to drink alcohol and take dope to try to feel some peace? <laughs> I have everlasting life, a mansion in heaven, and peace that passeth understanding. Fourth, I have unspeakable joy. Fifth, I have divine love that never faileth. Sixth, I have a faithful, pious wife. Seventh, I have healthy, happy, obedient children. Eighth, I have true, loyal friends. Ninth, I have songs in the night. Tenth, I have a crown of life. Eleventh, I have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who supplies all my need. I mean, what kind of a dollar figure could you put on that ridiculous list? <laughs> the tax assessor closed his book and said, Truly, you are a very rich man, but your property is not subject to taxation. <laughs> now, if you've got that, and you don't even have to pay taxes on it, you have something that nobody else can even compare to. Hey, if there's some joy missing in your life, I can't fix every little thing, and I can't explain every little detail, but I can tell you two things that'll get you about 90% there. Be involved in the furtherance of the gospel, and be sure that you're growing in your faith. If you just do those two things, you'll be a lot like that minister that I just read. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to read and study your word, and thank you for